0: Blog Talk Radio. Hey, gang. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is October the 27th, 2017. The clock, the calendar are all charging full speed ahead, and um, it's great joining you at the end of the week so that we can play that inevitable game of catch-up. And my goodness gracious, there is so much to catch up on. But they, um, you know, normally I just focus on immigration issues, primarily. Today, however, we're going to go in a slightly different direction. We're going to look at immigration, but in terms of the drug trafficking problem, the crisis that we're facing. And for those of you who are familiar with my program, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS, an agency uh, that was dissolved in the wake of 9-11. It was sliced and diced and folded into this bureaucratic leviathan known as the Department of Homeland Security. That was done by President George W. Bush in the wake of 9-11. And it was done um, so ineptly that I, I believe the design of the whole business was to prevent the enforcement of our nation's immigration laws, as shocking as that might sound there's no other conclusion that I can reach. I've written a number of previous articles about it. I've come to refer to the immigration crisis in America as a crisis by design. When you're told by the politicians that the immigration system is broken, they are lying through their teeth and they need to have rhinoplasty. Some plastic surgeon needs to come and cut off their growing noses because the immigration system This may come as a shock It is not failing at all, folks. It is doing exactly, precisely what the deep-pocketed globalists wanted the immigration system to do, and it's their number one priority. They want our borders wide open. As one piece of work who I encountered during a congressional hearing, he was a co-witness at a hearing before, the House Judiciary Committee Subcommittee on Immigration and Border Security. He told me that I needed to stop insisting on secure borders because, as he told me, those borders are an impediment to his wealth. So make no mistake about it. This country is fully capable of securing its borders and enforcing its immigration laws. And let me remind you that it was this country How many decades ago that built the Panama Canal? It was this country whose pilot Chuck Yeager and the airplane X-1 first broke the sound barrier. It is this country that first sent communication satellites into orbit, sent men repeatedly to the moon and brought every last one of them home safely. It is this country that launched space probes that are now sailing out of the solar system. No other countries achieved this. Not at all. We built the first reusable spacecraft, the shuttle, that of course Mr. Obama grounded because he wanted to clip America's wings in my judgment. The astronauts knew that they were taking a risk. They weren't getting on the New York to Washington airline shuttle. They knew they were getting on the space shuttle. They understood the risks. So the idea that we, Took America's capability to launch astronauts into space, launch heavy satellites into orbit, and then repair them on orbit. No other country has done any of these things. But yet we're told repeatedly, "Well, if we want to remain competitive, we have to bring in the world's best and brightest." That's what Ted Cruz told us. That's what Newt Gingrich. Uh, Newt. Um, I'm sorry. Although Newt Gingrich, I have to tell you, um, was an apologist for the Reagan amnesty of 86, but that's what Ted Cruz told us. That's what we're hearing from everyone. Bill Gates, oh, we have to bring in the world's best and brightest. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's best and brightest are already present in the United States, irrespective of what I call the superficial issues, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, doesn't matter. The world's best and brightest are called Americans. This level of betrayal against America and Americans is unprecedented. It is outrageous beyond words. So when you see a member of Congress stand up and say, we're going to fix the broken immigration system, please understand the reality. It is doing exactly, precisely, right on the money what they wanted it to do. Flood America with cheap labor to destroy the middle class, Flood America with foreign students and flood America with an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. And when people die as a consequence, they're collateral damage. They're collateral damage. As I've frequently said, as long as the U S chamber of commerce and other globalist organizations are more fixated, more concerned with head counts on airplanes and head counts at ballparks and the numbers of uh, people from foreign countries sleeping in our hotels and motels and so forth, as long as those numbers are of greater concern to them than the body count in the morgue, nothing is going to change. Perhaps if it does change, it'll be for the worse. And it's Donald Trump who has been the adversary of that outrageous position along with attorney general Jeff Sessions. If you want to know why there is so much screaming about President Trump, I will tell you why. It is because he has upset their apple cart. He has upset their game of three-card Monte, and they've been walking away with barrels of money, and suddenly he's trying to put the brakes on it. How dare he? He is the new sheriff in town trying to clean up corruption, the likes of which we have never seen in this country before. And that's why you're seeing all this animosity. That's why you're hearing all the squealing because they don't want to lose their revenue stream. Make no mistake what this is about. Let's be crystal clear about it. And if you've been reading my articles, you know that the best place to find my articles is in frontpagemag.com, Magazine. Uh, Also, The Social Contracts, very proud to be working with them for a whole bunch of years. In fact, there's an article that will be coming out that I wrote in their fall edition. It's due any day now. I keep looking at the website, waiting to see that it's up. And as soon as it is, I will post it on my website. And of course, you know, my personal website is michaelcutler.net. Obviously, it's my favorite website in the universe. But the Social Contract article, I understand they've changed the title slightly but not the gist of my title. And the title I had given it originally was The Road to Tyranny is Paved with Words Lost to Censorship. By changing one single word in the immigration debate, everything else has followed. One word changed the entire debate, and that word was changed under the Carter administration when Jimmy Carter, said that immigration employees could no longer refer to illegal aliens as illegal aliens. We had to call them immigrants. And over time it has morphed so that if anyone who comes here from another country is an immigrant, anyone who would dare suggest that we not allow in rapists and murderers and drug dealers and terrorists and unfair competition for American workers is anti-immigrants. How dare you want us to protect you and your families from drug dealers, terrorists, and criminals? How dare you want to protect foreign nationals from getting treated in hotels to the extent uh, hospitals, rather, I say hotels, my goodness, my motor's running today. How dare we do that so that when Americans need to be cared for, they can wait in a long line outside the emergency room. Uh, which has now become the primary health care provider for so many millions of illegal aliens. It costs 20 to 40% more to educate children who can't speak, read, or write English. And there was a recent study done that says that something on the order of 60 million families in America today uh, don't speak English. And it's devastating our schools, it's devastating opportunities for Americans, and it's absolutely hammering American Minority members. You know, I, I I saw a movie, and I highly recommend it. I'm not sure if all of the science was accurate in it. My original dream was to be an aerospace engineer, so I, I I would question a couple of odds and ends. But the the movie itself is brilliant. It's exciting. It's worth seeing. It's called Hidden Figures, about how American women who were black worked in the space program, but were treated in a way that sickens you between the segregation and the issue about going to a bathroom halfway across the the complex of buildings because black women couldn't use the bathroom, white women. I mean, think about the madness that we've experienced in this country. But also when we think about those football players taking a knee, let's remember that we righted those wrongs. We're not perfect as a country, we're not perfect as a species, and I don't know any person who is perfect. But I don't know of any country that has made more strides to be more fair and equitable than the United States up until recently, up until recently. We're no longer being fair. We aren't. We are not being fair to Americans. We're certainly not being fair to American blacks. If you look at the civil rights um, legislation, it was specifically enacted to right the wrongs of slavery and segregation. That was it. Now, of course, all human beings should be treated with dignity, respect, and equality. You're not gonna get me to argue. I'm Jewish. Bigotry led to the Holocaust. The Holocaust decimated the world, decimated my family personally. I was named for my grandmother who was slaughtered in Poland because of our religion. So all human beings need to be treated with fairness and dignity and and so forth but when you listen to the open borders immigration anarchists try to equate legalizing millions of illegal aliens and saying that this is the new civil rights movement no this is a betrayal of the civil rights movement because you watch that film hidden figures and i urge you to watch it it's on cable and you see what those women went through how terribly they were treated And how they had to fight for every single gain, including going to schools and becoming educated and becoming engineers and becoming computer programmers and living the American dream as full participants in this country. And now you realize that today we're bringing in foreign workers. So all those gains are being erased. How are they being erased? By importing hundreds of thousands of foreign computer programmers, engineers and scientists, by educating Right now, over a half million foreign students in the STEM curriculum, science, technology, engineering, and math. That's how screwed up we are. So Americans, black, white, Latino, of Asian heritage, I don't care from where, Americans are being displaced by foreign workers because they will work for lower wages under worse conditions. That's what we're doing. That's why Donald Trump won the election, because the American people have come to understand what this globalism is all about. It's about the destruction of the middle class by design. It's about the destruction of the American dream for Americans. And the interesting hypocrisy, and I've said it before, but I feel compelled this evening to say it again. And then I want to get to the topic that I really want to focus on, my latest article for FrontPageMag.com. And I hope you'll go read it, please. And if you read it and if you like it, I have a request. Tell as many people as you know about it. I don't care if you do it by sending out an email. I don't care if you sit down and talk to your friends over a cup of coffee this weekend or if you post it on Facebook or other social media. I need you to be part of my bucket brigade of truth so that enough Americans can figure out what's going on that we can start to make the the demands on our so-called elected quote-unquote representatives. But if you if you look at the word alien and how anybody who dares use the word to this very day, this is what Jimmy Carter started, people will accuse you of hate speech. Associated Press has a style book. And if you try to write something and put the word illegal alien, the computer program, I guarantee you, will change the word. This is censorship by the. Ministry of Truth, right out of 1984. That was the point to the article that I've written for the social contract that should be published any day now. The idea under Orwell, this isn't political correctness. Under George Orwell, the idea was that if you can control the words, you can control the thoughts the words represent. Language control is thought control. Just think about that. So now the word alien is a terrible word. Don't you dare ever use it. If you use it, you must be a hate monger. And then we come to the term dreamer. You know, we've all heard it. Oh, the dreamers. Well, the A in dreamers, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, stands for aliens. Alien miners. So how can this despicable, horrible word of hatred and xenophobia become an integral part of the term dreamer? Because... The politicians and the liars behind it were so intent on conjuring up this image of the American dream that they were willing to take that awful word. I don't think it's an awful word, by the way. I'm being sarcastic if you haven't picked up on it. But they're willing to use this terrible word because it painted this poetic image of the American dream. Never mind that Americans shouldn't bother applying for it anymore. You know, when you try to figure out if someone's being honest and they're trustworthy, the first thing you look for is whether or not they're hypocrites, whether or not they keep changing the language to keep on obfuscating the issue. You can go back to the articles that I wrote right after I left the INS many years ago. Hard for me to believe. Uh, Well over 50 we're coming up on 20 years pretty soon. And I've never changed the words because the words that I use are the words that are found in the immigration laws of the United States. They haven't changed, although the politicians are trying to change the words. So when people use artful language to obfuscate the truth, run for your life because you know that the con is on. You know that this is about swindling you. And what are Americans getting swindled out of? They're getting swindled out of their jobs And they're getting swindled out of their lives. And so now we come to this issue about the opioid epidemic, and it's making headlines. But those of you who've been listening to my program and if you've seen me on TV and read my articles over the years, I have been adamant about this nexus between border security and the drug trade. In fact, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article where I said, um, the heroin epidemic, the real metric for determining border security, if you look at the uh, website for my show tonight, there's a link right there. You can go click on that link and read my article. Because with all the nonsense about whether or not we have more illegal aliens present the fewer illegal aliens, pre- and they come back and they say, well, you look at the Border Patrol arrest, the numbers are up, the numbers are down. When the numbers were up, they said, see, the Border Patrol is stopping more. When the numbers went down, they said, look at that. How great is that? There's fewer people coming. Never mind, maybe the Border Patrol was arresting fewer because the Obama administration handcuffed the Border Patrol. So no matter what the story was, it's a good thing. If there's a blizzard, it's wonderful because we want to go and have a snowball fight. And if we're parched and, 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 and there's a drought and, and, and there's forests on fire, well, that's okay. Bring your marshmallows. No matter how it was, they were going to turn this into a positive story. Everything is wonderful. No, it's not wonderful. The fact of the matter is we don't even know how many illegal aliens are here. And we should be used to getting lied to by the government. They're very good at it. Reagan was dynamite at lying. His administration told us that there were about a million illegal aliens here. And they convinced us that once we did this amnesty, the sun was going to shine, and we were going to set the record straight. Well, the million illegals turned into almost four million, and they never hired more agents. And that became the incentive for the biggest blood of illegal immigration into the united states since the founding of this great nation both parties are responsible folks and if you don't think so you're delusional you're a fool both parties have been kowtowing to the people who've been bribing them because that frankly is what campaign contributions are thinly disguised bribes law enforcement officers members of the armed forces civilian workers for the government You're not allowed to take tips, gratuities. When I was an agent, I was told, if someone offers you a drink, make it ice water, because if you're taking a cup of coffee, you're violating your ethics. There was such concern about getting a cup of coffee. And look at what the politicians get. It's outrageous. If you think that a federal agent is going to sell his badge for the price of a cup of coffee, God help all of us. And we're hearing this from the politicians that are taking in how much money? Are you serious? You look at Dennis Haster, you know, the Chester, the molester, this despicable child molester who was in the succession to the presidency as Speaker of the House, went to Washington with what I have read was the less than a half million, and by the time he left Washington a decade later, he was worth millions with an S? Was he saving his congressional paycheck? I mean, come on, I was born on a Wednesday, not last Wednesday. We know the game. We know the game. And we're being gamed. And we're being gamed. And so half of my 30-year career was with the Drug Enforcement Administration and the FBI of working with locals and, and, and state police and foreign governments on narcotics investigations. And I was stunned back in the 80s when I was assigned to DEA intelligence. I was the first INS agent to get that assignment. And I took a hard look at um, who we were arresting at DEA. It's kind of a funny story, because back in 1988, when I was assigned to DEA intelligence, I asked my boss if I could get a copy of the arrest records. Well, today with email and computers, you know, you you come to work and there'll be an email, you open it up and there's a spreadsheet. In 1988, when I asked for the arrest records, I got exactly that. And it took about a week, but I'll never forget walking into my office and I saw boxes stacked up on my desk to the ceiling, on my chair, under my desk, around my desk. And as I was standing there looking at this massive number of boxes, in came some more of the clerks from the file room delivering, guess what, more boxes with more arrest records. And I sat there with a handheld calculator. My gosh, I felt like someone had given me a teaspoon and told me to get rid of all the sand on the beach, even as the water was bringing in more sand. And, I, and and for three or four months, I sat there with that handheld calculator to figure out who we were arresting, the numbers, by nationality, and so forth. And by the way, you should know that the arrest records never talk about citizenship. That's not an accident. There's no accidents here, Okay. The idea is the American people must not find out the dirty little secret that immigration provides criminal organizations with access to America so they can peddle their drugs and the drug money flows into the banks. According to a 60-minute report that was in my article for Front Page Magazine, Who Deserves the Drug Cartel's MVP Award, and the subtitle, The Growing List of Those Feeding the Opioid Crisis, they talked about HSBC. A bank that paid, I'm looking for the exact number, bear with me here, please forgive me. Okay, they had to pay $1.92 billion, just under $2 billion, to settle charges of money laundering. And you think, wow, they really got hammered. Really? Well, catch this quote um, from the New York Times report about that case. Congressional hearings exposed weaknesses. This isn't a weakness, folks. This is a corpse, not, not a weakness. Exposed weaknesses at the Office of the controller of the Currency, the National Bank Regulator. In 2010, the regulator found that HSBC had severe deficiencies in its anti-money laundering controls, including $60 trillion. Did you, did you hear this number? $60 trillion Dollars in transactions and 17,000 accounts flagged as potentially suspicious activities that were not reviewed. Despite the findings, the regulator did not find the bank. Think about that. Bankers almost almost never ever go to jail. They pay the fine, which is the cost of doing business, and they go on their merry way. And we they go on their merry way. See how that works out if you break the law, how quickly you go to jail and you get divested of everything. The bank lost under $2 billion, but they were doing $60 trillion in business. Now, I'm not saying that was the full profits, but look at the amounts of money that we're talking about here. So there's plenty of reasons why people out there, just like that piece of trash who said to me, that we need to stop pushing for border security because it was an impediment to his wealth. And he said that to me even after I told him that our borders are our first and last line of defense against transnational criminals and international terrorists. Never you mind that, Mr. Cutler, he said, wagging a finger at my face. Those borders are an impediment to my wealth. Keep remembering that expression. Keep remembering it. So you look at where we are today, and and I want you to read the article, so I'm not going to get heavily into it, but you're going to find out when you read the article, it was based on a 60 Minutes news report that ran just about two weeks ago, and they had partnered with the Washington Times about how DEA agents had left DEA and went to work for the pharmaceutical industry, and how a member of Congress in Pennsylvania by the name of Tom Marino had been behind the legislation. That stopped the DEA from being able to seize drugs, freeze the shipment of drugs when it appeared that it possessed an imminent threat to the well being of the community. So they talk about towns where there's a couple thousand people and millions of pills get shipped there. Something is wrong. So DEA and what they call the diversion branch could stop this. No more. Thank you, Mr. Marino. And thank you, every member of Congress in both the House and Senate. Because it was voted for by a voice vote. So there was no record, no smoking gun, no trail of breadcrumbs, no fingerprints on the doorknob, voice vote. And President Obama signed it quietly, maybe sitting under his desk with the door closed. No signing ceremony, didn't bring in the reporters, no fanfare, no handing out the pens. Maybe he sat under his desk and signed it. So that nobody would know, we just sneak this little puppy through, so the drugs can keep flowing into America. So the drugs can keep on flowing. Of course, the obvious question, because the real horror story, Tom Marino almost became the head of, of the of, of the um, well, he was going to be the drugs arm. Trying to recall what the um, acronym was, but. The, The the drug policy-making machinery for the administration um, was the job that that Tom Marino was about to get. And as soon as the program aired, he supposedly withdrew his name. I can only imagine Donald Trump and uh, Attorney General Session telling him that he was going to. I mean, he claims he withdrew. That's fine. But my goodness, what I want to know is how was it that his name was recommended at all? so that he could be the drug czar. The guy that pushed for the passage of a bill that handcuffed the DEA wanted to be the drug czar, and he's about to get it. You want to talk about the wolf guarding the hen house? So I want to know the process whereby Tom Marino was being considered for the job. That's how bad things are. Now, I've got a question that I'm going to raise, and I want you to think about this. How in the world do we not see commercials on television warning children and and all people, but especially kids, to not get involved with the drugs? The cigarette commercials have been very, very, very effective. I lost my dad to lung cancer. I can't watch those commercials. I don't think anybody can. I mean, they're very, very tough to watch. They show people that are dying of cancer. You see what they used to look like, what they look like now what they sound like they have a stoma an opening in the base of their throat. They have to cover it when they shower. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And when you see it, you cringe. My dad died of lung cancer in part because he was a Chesterfield smoker. He used to smoke those damn blow torches. My lungs felt scorched when he smoked in the house. There were days I walked out of the house because my pop came home and he was smoking. I couldn't tolerate the smoke, but he also worked in the Navy shipyard during the second world war. The military wouldn't have them because there was something known as the Sullivan brothers for you who are too young to remember this or to not know this. Five brothers were assigned to the same Navy ship that was sunk and all five brothers were lost. The family was devastated. They had five boys and lost them all in a moment. And the military came along and said, "Okay, from now on, if you are the sole surviving male member of your family, you can't be enlisted. You can't be drafted into the armed forces. My dad's brother, the only other surviving male member of his family, was already in the Army Air Corps. So my dad tried on multiple occasions to enlist, and they told him, you can't come in, your brother's already serving, you can't do it. So he went to work in the shipyards where he was exposed to asbestos. He was also exposed to asbestos in the building trades. He was a tradesman, construction worker. So my dad died of lung cancer. But if you watch those commercials, they're gut-wrenching. When was the last time you saw a gut-wrenching commercial about drugs? Cigarette smoking has declined tremendously in the United States. And, and I would argue that the reason in part that cigarette smoking has declined is it's no longer seen as the cool thing to do. And the commercials have helped to influence how the public sees cigarette smoking. It doesn't mean everyone stopped but the numbers are way down. I remember I used to sweep my sidewalk and and, and there'd be, you know, a hundred cigarette butts. Now, if I see one or two a week, it's a big deal. Now, why is that? Because most people look at those commercials and they're smart enough to know that you got to be pretty dumb to poison yourself with those damn things, right? Commercials work. If we're that concerned about people getting addicted to heroin and other opiates, why are there no commercials i'll let you draw your own conclusions i'll let you draw your own conclusions and so what was really disturbing to me though was cbs did a very good job on this article and and the former dea agent who came forward it was really a gutsy thing for him to do i really wish uh by the way the the organization i'm looking at my notes ondcp the office of national drug control policy that was the job that tom marino Almost snagged, almost snagged. But so, so you look at, at what's going on and you say, well, why in the world are we not doing the commercials? Why aren't we doing more to convince people to not smoke, to not smoke, to not use the drugs? And, and so you look at all of that and you realize that this is, has to be by design, by intent, like so many other things. And in fact, in my article, I made the parallel statement that much the way that that law handicapped the Drug Enforcement, the Drug Enforcement Administration, we're seeing the same things with immigration. Hamstringing efforts to enforce the law. Never hiring enough agents. On 9-11, we had 2,000 immigration agents for the entire United States of America. 2,000. New York City, at its peak, had well over 40,000 police officers, just for the little city of New York. And we had 2,000 immigration agents for the whole country. Today, we've got roughly six or 7,000 immigration agents, but more than half of their work has nothing to do with immigration. This goes back to the way DHS was created. It was created so poorly, I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. So that means that if we're lucky, 3,000 agents for the whole country now enforce the immigration laws. Do you think that that's deterring anybody? Of course not. Man's laws, human's laws, legislated laws, I don't want to be sexist here, but laws that are legislated need to be enforced or they're meaningless. The laws of nature are immutable. The speed of light isn't determined by somebody with a summons book and a radar gun. Light travels at the speed it's supposed to because it's a fundamental principle in physics. But the speed limits on the highway are meaningless if there's no one there to enforce the law. And our Congress, for generations now, has never given the money, nor has the government or the administrations requested the money to hire enough agents. I remember I was called to a congressional hearing, and I've been before at least 17 hearings in Washington. I remember one hearing where President Bush, George W., was given enough money to hire 800 new ICE agents and 2,000 more Border Patrol agents. And he said, no, 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 we don't need that. The 800 ICE agents became 143 ICE agents. He cut 2,000 border patrol agents down to just 210 border patrol agents. Does it sound like George W. Bush wanted to enforce the law? Are you surprised that Jeb Bush said that illegal immigration was an act of love? Of course, I wrote an article where I said that, George, uh, that Jeb Bush was looking for love at all the wrong places. But, but this is by design. It's about creating the illusion that we're doing what the American people want while making damn sure that the people who write the checks are actually the ones getting what they want. The best government money can buy. And we're seeing it with the drugs also. Because if there was real concern about the death rate, and the article, by the way, pointed out that in the last 20 years, catch this number, 200,000 people died of drug overdoses. 200 thousand people died of drug overdoses that doesn't include people who were killed by the violent drug gangs it doesn't include people who were killed when someone addicted to drugs committed a violent crime to get the money to buy the drugs that doesn't include people who were higher than a kite got behind the wheel of a vehicle and then killed people god only knows what those numbers would look like i've heard all sorts of estimates 70, 80, 85%, God knows. I don't think anybody knows completely. But it's believed that maybe three-quarters of all crime has a direct or indirect nexus to the drug trade or to the use of drugs or to being stoned or to being high or whatever term you want to use. This is devastating. And you look at the hundreds of billions of dollars that get wired out of the country by the drug cartels, That's money lost to our economy. You wonder where the deficit comes from? Money lost to productivity where someone is is too high to work or gets fired or someone who gets beat up or shot because they become the victim of a drug uh, addict who needs the money. The price we pay is incredible. And where do you think the money is going? It goes right into the bank accounts of the drug cartels, and it also goes into the bank accounts of terrorist organizations. We have every possible incentive and reason to want to run commercials on TV to convince people, especially young people, don't go near the drugs. And yet several years ago, the AMA authorized the prescribing of opiates, of oxycodone, patients as young as 11 years of age. And then, as you'll see on my website or on the blog talk radio website, there was a press release that was just issued, and this is by the Justice Department, by the U.S. Attorney's Office up in Massachusetts, and this was yesterday. Founder and owner of pharmaceutical company Incest arrested and charged with racketeering. Defendant and other executives allegedly bribed doctors and pharmacists the prescribed fentanyl spray meant for breakthrough cancer pain. Breakthrough cancer pain. And yet they were telling the doctors, we'll give you a kickback if you give it to people who aren't suffering from deadly cancer. So it was a <laughs> Profit above all else, so what if we get people addicted? And the ultimate example of such, according to what I just read, company is now marketing an antidote for, for drug addiction. So they hook you, and now they will unhook you for the right price. And by the way, uh, while this is only an indictment, which means that we don't know with certainty that the guy did it, you're innocent until proven guilty, the CEO of the company went to graduate school in the United States. He came here from his native India. I'm so glad he came here. Well, how wonderful for us. This is the kind of lunacy folks that we're facing on a daily basis and everyone in washington is screaming about donald trump and equating what he wants to do with hatred even as the trial for kate steinley goes on and now it turns out that the guy who killed her was using multiple false identities not a shock but it doesn't matter he was just looking for the american dream and his defense attorney said you know If he was some college kid who picked up a gun and it accidentally went off, he wouldn't be charged with murder. Really? I I mean, the lies are astonishing. The lies are astonishing. Does not matter that this young woman in the prime of her life dies in her father's arms, didn't do anything wrong? She went to a major tourist spot down in San Francisco. Thought she would spend a couple of hours with her father. I have kids. I mean, I can't even imagine. I start to want to cry when I think about this. Imagine you're out for a Sunday stroll or whatever the day of the week was with your daughter, and all of a sudden she falls into your arms and and, and dies right there. And you have a defense attorney claiming that any effort to enforce the immigration laws is discriminatory. The sheriff of San Francisco said the same thing. This has nothing to do with immigration. This never involves Americans. And now out on Long Island here in New York, the FBI has been digging up the bones of what they think might be more murder victims of MS-13. At least 20 people have been killed by MS-13 in the last two years, just on Long Island. And guess what? Virtually everyone killed was a member of the ethnic Latino community. So you mean you're being anti-Latino and anti-immigrant if you're trying to stop the murder of members of the immigrant community? This is insanity. And there are people who believe this. There are people who believe this. The fact that they're killing people within the Latino ethnic immigrant community and law enforcement wants to stop it, if you dare do anything about it, oh, you're discriminating against Latinos. And meanwhile, we may be burying some more people who turn out to be children killed by that vicious gang. That's the insanity of all of this. If my motor sounds like it's running, it is. It sickens me. I I don't even know how America got to this point. I don't know how we have members of Congress looking to undermine the laws to protect American citizens and then seek to become the head of the drug organization, the, the Drug Enforcement Administration. I really would love to know how he got nominated. I want to know that process because it's a measure of our corruption. That's the problem. That's the problem. You see, you have people guarding the hen house who have no intentions of protecting the hens. That's the problem. We know that children are losing their lives and no one cares. We know that we're flooding America with cheap foreign labor And Americans are losing their jobs, but no one until Donald Trump came along, gave a damn about it. But because he cares and because he's been so crystal clear on it, look at the accusations. He's a racist. He's a bigot. He's a terrible person. Why? He wants Americans to be successful in their own country. How dare he? How dare he? Why in the world would the president of the United States be concerned about the well-being of his own citizens? Stop and think about the madness. Stop and think about this narrative that has been created and that enough Americans are dumb enough to believe. You know, I, um, I, I was in Washington a couple of, you ago. I, I do quite a few speaking engagements with a wonderful speakers bureau, Alan Elfried associates. I've been working with them for well over decades. <clears throat> and one day, a general sitting in the office. They do seminars for the military and the intelligence services. And this uh, woman, who was a two-star general, said to me, "Mr. Cutler, how, how do you explain the stupidity of the average American who doesn't get it?" And I said to her, "Well, there's a two-word explanation." And she said, "You can explain it in two words?" I said, "Absolutely. Pet rock." Those of you old enough to remember, there was actually a company that sold. uh, Boxed rocks They would take a rock Put it into a box Fancy colors And sell you the box And people bought it I said anybody who could part with a penny With a penny For a box with a rock in it Check for whether or not They can fog a mirror Check if they have a flatline EEG And the following year they made even more money With a training manual for the pet rock Does it get dopier than that? The American people need to swindle. It reminds me of the story, and we hear it all the time. Some guy gets an email Congratulations, you've just won a $5 million lottery. And the guy gets all excited, doesn't stop to think, Wait a minute, how can I win a lottery if I didn't buy a ticket? Don't bother me with details. No, 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 this is too good to be true. Well, in fact, it was too good to be true. And they still do it all the time. And then they tell the person, We've got the check waiting for you, and we will send it to you as soon as you pay the tax on the check, and you owe us whatever, 5000 $10,000. And the tragedy is you have poor people who barely have the money. They scrape it together, all excited, and they mail in their life savings, and they spend the rest of their lives waiting for the check that's never going to come. And they're angry, and how could they do this to me? and you want to say to them dummy you did this to yourself you never bought a lottery ticket and if in fact you did win the lottery they usually take the money out of whatever the lottery amount is so if you won 5 million and you have to pay 10,000 in taxes they'll send you a check for you know for $4,990,000 but no one stops to question anything we no longer question what we're told. We blindly follow. They say this is the way it is, it must be true. We're acting like a bunch of children. We are acting like a bunch of foolish, naive children. People say to me, well, people that want the border to secure, they're xenophobes. They don't like people from other countries. We've never had a greater number of foreign nationals living in the United States than we do right now. The numbers are through the roof. We admit a million lawful immigrants every year. Our immigration laws make absolutely no distinction about race, religion, or ethnicity. But don't let that get in the way. They're told that this is about bigotry and they're dumb enough to believe it. And now you'll find out when you read my article that Los Angeles is now questioning companies that want to do construction work for them as to whether or not they're doing business with the Trump administration to secure the border. Because if they're looking for a contract to work on the border fence, California will not hire them. If you're trying to stop the flow of drugs into the United States, you're an undesirable employee. We're not gonna hire you. How dare you try to stop the flow of criminals, terrorists, and drugs into America? This is insane. If this was the plot of a movie 20 years ago, nobody would have gone to the movies. They would have said, you're crazy. This doesn't make any sense. This could never possibly happen. Well, let me tell you what, folks. That's what's happening right now in this country. And please understand, though, when aliens enter the United States, they're free to move around the whole country. Once in, they're in. And sanctuary cities, and we come back to this again are creating opportunities for these folks to to shield themselves from discovery. And if you dare say that that's not right, then you're going to be labeled a bigot. You're going to be told you're a hater and a xenophobe and a racist. Never mind that we admit people by the tens of millions on non-immigrant visas every year. I, I mean, really and truly, if you take what the open borders folks want to the logical conclusion... I'm sure if they had their way, they would fire the border patrol. I'm sure if they had their way, they would no longer want anybody getting off a flight from any other country inspected at the airport. It doesn't make sense to inspect passengers arriving at an airport if you can run the border with impunity or if you can violate your admission into the United States with impunity. Visa overstays people working without permission failing to attend the schools for which they were admitted if you want to legalize everybody who's here illegally then why aren't we making it legal to come here any way you want and let's not waste all this money on customs and border protection we are spending between 13 and 14 billion dollars every year on customs and border protection and that's for hiring the border patrol the inspectors at ports of entry the job I did for the first four years of my career and the support personnel and running the facilities and the computer systems and so forth, between 13 and 14 billion a year. So let's get serious. If it really doesn't matter how you come here, why in the world are we doing this? Why not simply declare America to be a borderless country and see where that leads you? Because that is exactly what California and and Los Angeles is looking to do, and Chicago and New York. Never mind that the 9/11 Commission was was perfectly clear that first and foremost 9-11 was the result of multiple failures of the immigration system. Failures to keep the aliens out, failures to make certain that there was integrity to the process whereby we granted these folks lawful status. We've had naturalized citizens commit terror attacks. One of the two Tsarnaev brothers was a naturalized citizen. You have the Supreme Court saying that the president can't bar aliens from entering the United States if they have a bona fide relationship in the United States. Now, what is a bona fide relationship? Family member, a job, or enrolled in a school. And by the way, family relationships include in-laws, cousins, brothers, down the list. They specifically, the, 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 the California judge specifically ruled that the visa petition The fiancés was sacrosanct, and once that was filed, the president couldn't order that these people not be allowed in. Did they not understand what happened in San Bernardino in that very same state? There was a woman who came here on a fiancée visa who apparently radicalized her husband when they carried out that deadly attack in San Bernardino. And that section of law, Title 8, United States Code Section 1182, F as in Frank, small f in parentheses, said that the president has the discretionary authority to deny entry to any aliens or any class of aliens if in his judgment it would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. That's a low bar, detrimental. What does that even mean? And by the way, President Jimmy Carter invoked that law when the Iranians overran the embassy and took hostages. President Obama used it. President George W. Bush invoked it. But they weren't Donald Trump. And the fact that Donald Trump believes in sovereignty makes him the enemy. The fact that Donald Trump says, let's put Americans to work, let's get the jobs done in America by American hands, is making the politicians insane. Because their job is to make sure that Americans don't get the jobs. You think about that. And by the way, there's a video clip, and I should include it, in my next article that was done by the Guild for Computer Programmers, where you have lawyers on stage teaching other lawyers, whatever you do, make certain that when you file up the application for an alien to come here um, because of their job, that you craft it in such a way where Americans won't be able to follow. Put something in there that will rule out most Americans. And the reason for it, because if the company hires Americans, the lawyers don't get paid. If the company hires aliens, then the lawyers do get paid. So their job, as this lawyer tells them on stage, he said, this is going to sound funny, but you have to make sure that Americans never get the jobs. And this is happening in our own country. And we have politicians from both parties and at all levels of government that are seeking to do just that, make certain that Americans don't get the jobs. And along comes President Trump, who says, wait a minute, this is crazy. He's tightening up on the H-1B visa program. Now, why is that? He's doing it because he understands that if we want the American economy to take off and not fly away, but really accelerate and do well, we have to get Americans out of unemployment. We have to start to give Americans more money. And that was the idea ostensibly behind the, the, um, the incentive program that cost us billions of dollars under Obama. Put money into the American consumer. They can go out and spend the money, and that will create jobs and business. It's called the multiplier effect. The economic stimulus package is what it was called. But meanwhile, when you bring in foreign workers who send hundreds of billions of dollars of their earnings out of the country, that drains it out of our economy. It deprives Americans the opportunity to be successful in their own country, and it forces Americans— onto those costly safety net programs through no fault of their own. None of this bodes well for America. But clearly, when you look at the drugs and you look at the fatalities and you look at the violence, this is where we are. And you look at the hypocrisy, and I plan to write about it. But isn't it remarkable that there are actors out there screaming about the guns and screaming about how anybody belongs to the NRA is evil, and anybody who supports the Second Amendment, and on and on and on. And by the way, what roles do those very same actors play? They play the roles of violent individuals. You don't see anyone solving problems by sitting down for a conversation or working out a compromise. There's a conflict, and everyone, it's any get your gun. And there are blazing shootouts and cars flying through the air, blowing up, dismembered bodies flying through the air, and that's called entertainment. Video games, as graphic as possible. I remember when they started this business with Grand Theft Auto, where you got points for shooting or running down police officers. Well, you've conditioned a generation of young Americans. This is a product endorsement. You know, I, I, I was just on a radio show earlier today, and I said, you know, I, I understand if Mario Andretti, the, the famed race car driver, suggests a set of tires, you know, go to Brandex tires because they make good tires. Well, that's good advice coming from a guy that spent his life racing very successfully, won all kinds of races and awards. He's the preeminent guy out there. It makes sense. Jackie Stewart does a wonderful commercial. He was the winningest Grand Prix driver. So when these guys do certain things, I agree. But you have athletes selling, you know, aftershave lotion. What do they know? Use this razor blade, get a close shave. He's a a baseball player. What does he know about shave? If the guy was a metallurgist and said, yeah, they use a different material, it's better. Or if he was a dermatologist, so he's familiar with the skin and endorses. That makes sense. So you have celebrities endorsing product, foolish enough to go out and buy the product, because Joe Smith, the famous you know, whatever, said that that's the stuff he uses. Well, don't they understand that when you show a movie that celebrates a bloodbath of violence, that similarly you're impacting how young people come to think of ways of resolving conflict with a gun or a bomb or, or whatever? The movies are violent. And they're happy to take that money that they get, millions and millions, and then they complain about guns and violence. Why don't they put their money where their mouths are and say, you know what, we're not going to make those movies anymore. We're done glamorizing violence. We're done glamorizing guns. Be consistent. Because as far as I'm concerned, they're just a bunch of hypocrites fashionable. It gives them an opportunity to strut around and say something out of their dumb mouths. And their mouths half the time don't have anything worth listening to say unless a scriptwriter puts the words in their mouths. Half those actors are nothing more than the triloquist dummies for the scriptwriter. Yes, there are some bright people who are acting and there are some decent people who are actors. I had the privilege on a couple of occasions of having dinner with famous actor Robert Duvall. He's definitely a gentleman. It was a privilege to, to spend time with him. But you look at the train wrecks that are out there asking people who pretend they're somebody they could never be in a million years. Then they're out there running their mouths talking about violence and guns until they make their next movie where they're running through the streets shooting them up. Enough is enough. Uh, You know, I want to thank you for spending the uh, past hour with me. I hope what I told you was thought-provoking. I hope you'll go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Please check out frontpagemag.com and the social contract. Uh, My mission ever since 9-11 has been to try to wake Americans up to the truth about the immigration crisis. And here I think you can see the clear nexus with the heroin crisis. The people that smuggle narcotics into the United States smuggle human beings. And those gangs are operating outside the United States. Our immigration laws can be instrumental and bringing all of those activities to a crashing halt. I know I spent half my career doing it up at DEA and the FBI. The American people need to stand up and need to convince our supposed elected representatives that we're not as dumb as they hope that we are. Please pass my information along to as many people as you can to become a part of my bucket for of truth. And also, please get involved Because you know, as I do, democracy is not a spectator sport. I look forward to seeing you again next week, right here at the same time on the Michael Cutler Hour. Meanwhile, I wish all of you a great weekend. Good night, everybody.